Hello everyone, this is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 36. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about today's episode, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about the ingredients and power of child-directed outdoor play. Here now is episode number 36 of the Connected Family Podcast. Welcome back to the Connected Family Podcast. This episode is all about resilient kids and the power of child-directed outdoor play. When I ask you about outdoor play, what thoughts or images come to mind? As I think about my experiences with child-directed outdoor play, I think about my childhood where I grew up in a small Midwestern town until I was in that grade, fourth grade, when my family moved to Southern California. Living in that small Midwestern town, I have memories of being outside in my neighborhood. There were no fences. We would run from yard to yard, playing different games, all created by children, seemingly with no adults around. I remember playing Ghost in the Graveyard, Annie Annie Over, where we had to throw a ball over the top of our houses and run around. Freeze tag, we used to get from someplace old tire inner tubes, blow them up to, you know, probably 10 times their original size, and then roll down hills in them, bounce on them, have all sorts of fun play outside in a number of different creative ways. I remember even in the house that we lived in was just on the edge of town, and I was able to have a friend come over, and we would walk down the road to a nearby farm, and we would go fishing in the pond that was on that nearby farm. There were no adults with us. It was just me and my friend in about the third or fourth grade walking down the street with our fishing poles and a box of worms. I remember catching my first fish in that pond and how much excitement and how many times I told that story about having caught that fish. Several years, many years, 20 plus years, after having grown up in that town and moved to Southern California with my family and gone through college, I went back to that town and drove through the old neighborhood to get a sense of what it was like for kids in the present day. And I was surprised, one, to find that the pond wasn't there anymore. Actually, the farm had been developed and made into houses. And two, that there weren't very many kids outside playing around. The kids that I expected to see doing the things that I did in this small town, rural America, growing up having lots and lots of fun with neighborhood kids, just weren't there. And so I was wondering, where'd they all go? What happened? Are they all inside? Are they at school? Have they all grown up? And now this is more of a older person's neighborhood? Well, Many Several years after that, I was uh, practicing as a counselor in a residential treatment center, and I kind of got a sense of what was going on for some of these kids. Not all kids, but some of them that might have grown up in a neighborhood very similar to the one that I grew up in. I was talking to a young man that I was working with, and I said, getting to know him, trying to figure out what his strengths are, what, what he enjoys about himself, what he likes about life. And I said, so what are you good at? And he said, oh, I'm good at video games. I was like, oh, cool. Video games are fun. What, what other things are you good at? He thought for a bit longer and said, 
I'm only good at video games. And I was shocked by his belief that he was only good at video games. He was well-liked among his peers. He was intelligent, handsome, physically fit, athletic. And yet the only strength that he could come up with was video games. And so I've really wrestled, particularly with my own kids, about the value of video games, how much they're allowed to play video games. And there's a whole nother podcast that I've done in, in this series related to video game addiction and what parents should be thinking about when they're deciding on screen time for their children. So I won't go much into the video games, but what I will go into is the difference in play in today's culture, particularly in light of COVID-19 and all the different expectations that we have right now, having to wear masks and quarantining and social distancing, not being able to go to parks, all the challenges that we're experiencing with play in the present day compared to when I was growing up and likely when you were growing up. My childhood was filled with hours and hours of child-directed outdoor play. However, there are many, many kids, mine included, whose childhood is really made up of a different style of play. And I'm learning a lot and being reminded of the power of that outdoor play. And there's three ingredients that I like to think about and that I would encourage you to think about when designing or maybe even not designing your child's child-directed outdoor play. And then there are three really powerful benefits to this outdoor play. Just a little bit of information, however, before we begin. There was a 2004 study by Rhonda Clements at Hofstra University that surveyed 830 mothers regarding their level of outdoor play as children and that of their children. 85% of the mothers agreed that children today, and that was just 2004, right? So it may have even gotten worse because it's a long time after 2004 right now. That children today play outside less than children did in years past. 70% of the mothers reported playing outside every day as a child compared to only 31% of their children. The survey found that the number of children playing games with child-created rules has dropped from 85% of the mothers to 33% of their children. The only outdoor activity that children in the survey did more than their mothers was adult-organized youth sports. So that is one of the main shifts that I see in the style of play, in the structure of play that is provided to our children today versus 20 or 30 years ago. When we were growing up as parents, we had all sorts of time to be playing with our friends without adults interfering and creating their own structure. However, our children today, they're involved in all sorts of activities, all kinds of wonderful things that are meant to enrich their lives. However, the majority of it is adult organized. And there's something missing, in my opinion, and I believe according to the research, when children do not have the child-directed type of outdoor play when everything they participate in is organized by adults. So let's think about that a little bit. I really strongly believe that helping our children, allowing our children to participate in outdoor child-created play has some really powerful benefits. First then, let's think about what does outdoor child-created play look like? I think it's made up of three components. One, sufficient risk. Two, it's free from adult structure slash interference. I like to think of it as interference, but a nicer word is structure. 
and it is self-driven. Sufficient risk. Let's start there. Sufficient risk. I think the one of the most important aspects of child-driven outdoor play is that there is some risk involved. So I think of the idea of a young boy climbing up the ladder to the slide or um, running across a field that is uneven and difficult or playing older children in a sports game in which you're likely to get beaten or being outside um, in the neighborhood, you know, empty lot and running through the tall grass or digging a hole. I remember I used to, I have a friend um, who was much younger than me, but um, who I sort of mentored for a period of time throughout my life, who would go in his backyard and he would just dig these long, deep holes. And it was just his great delight to dig a hole in his backyard. And my kids were the same. I have three boys. They loved digging holes. I There was another experience with one of our children who loved making animal habitats. So we'd fill up a old swimming pool. He'd go gather grass and rocks and tree limbs and play animals. And he would make habitats for his animals in this muddy, dirty, disgusting pool. All of it, though, driven by him. So sufficient risk. I know I've told the story also about climbing a tree and the risk involved in that. I recall my children um, playing in a creek in which there was some risk of falling down, slipping, falling out of trees. All of those things, all of those risks, I believe, are helpful in creating confidence for our children, which is one of the first side benefits that is offered by outdoor play. Sufficient risk. Second, it's free from adult structure. As I said, the research shows that most of the outdoor play that our children participate in involves some sort of organized sport in which the adults are in charge and the adults provide the structure. Outdoor child-driven play really is free from that adult interference. I always think of this in regards to the amount of negotiation that occurs when children are playing a game outside. Sometimes for me as a parent, I, you know, listen from a distance to the rule negotiation that's occurring when they're beginning to play a game of tag. And I get so frustrated at the length of time it takes them to negotiate the rules because they spend more time arguing and fighting about the rules than they do actually playing the game. However, if I as a parent can just let go of that and move myself away from that, actually one of the great benefits of the outdoor play is all of that negotiating that is happening. However, it's my my gut, my inclination, my distaste for the conflict and the negotiating negotiating styles that sometimes drives me to interfere in that. And actually, I think when I do interfere and I do provide the adult structure, I'm actually taking something away from the experience for the children who are playing. Now, all of that assumes that there is safety, right? Both are sufficient risk and free from adult interference assumes that there is safety or a base level of safety in regards to how the children are interacting with one another as well as the environment that they are playing in. And then the last thing is that outdoor child-directed play is self-driven. I find with my own children sometimes that they get bored. They start to complain that they're bored. They complain some more that they're bored. And then finally, after I just hang back, hold off on trying to entertain them, hold off on trying to structure their time for them, 
eventually they get motivated enough out of the discomfort of the boredom to go create something for themselves outside that is wonderful, that is engaging, and that is all sorts of fun for them. And so I really think that this self-driven play is often coming out of a sense of boredom that sometimes we don't allow our kids to have. So all of this adult structured um, activities, which are good, but maybe a little bit too much of, tend to keep our kids from being bored. And if we can allow them the space, the reflective time to be a little bit bored, then I believe that their creativity kicks in and they really begin to create for themselves an environment and a time that can be quite engaging quite fun, and develop for them these three things that are the strong benefits of outdoor child-directed play. So those are the three ingredients to outdoor child-directed play. Sufficient risk, assuming the presence of safety. Free from adult structure or interference, also assuming the presence of safety. And lastly, self-driven self-driven creation that comes out of, a, of the space to have boredom. And then what are the side effects? What are the three benefits of this wonderful um, type of outdoor child-directed play? The three benefits are self-confidence, imagination, and social skills. So there's no better place for a child to test their limits than the outdoors. This could be climbing the ladder to the slide for a young child, making it all the way across the monkey bars for a school-aged child, or taking on the older kids in a basketball game for a middle schooler. These activities are physical, mental, and psychological challenges that push a child just one small step past their current ability. These small steps over a number of months or years build into a series of successes or failures, and there can be learning and growing from both successes and failures, that allow children to take on the challenges of the future. So I just love this idea of seeing a young boy climbing the ladder or making it across the monkey bar or flying down an outdoor zip line and having success in that, that translates to the future challenges of life. Because what I have found is that when they reach the top of the ladder and they go, yes, I did it. I can do it. There's this internal dialogue, this internal story that's being created for them of I am capable. I am strong. I can overcome. I can do this. And that internal dialogue, that narrative that they begin to tell about themselves when they find these physical successes creates the self-confidence that they can overcome the math challenge later on in their school career, or they can overcome a challenge at work when they're in the workforce. So all these tiny, small little challenges that occur when they're between the ages of six and 12 build to create that self-confidence that propels them to future successes. Self-confidence is the first outcome of this child-directed outward play. Number two is imagination. The great outdoors is filled with opportunity to increase imagination. This may include the hiding place under the porch stairs used to dig for treasure, the snake habitat made from a puddle, grass clippings, and rocks, the story I shared earlier, or the delicious mud pies served up to mom and dad. These child-created exercises in make-believe are the classroom in which future artists, teachers, engineers, and doctors hone their skills the skills necessary to create new masterpieces 
work with the difficult learner, create a bridge, or heal disease. Imagination, that's what's required to create innovations, right? And as your child is out in the outdoors, imagining the way that they're going to get across this little creek or how they're going to make the bridge that they're going to make in the sandbox. They have the opportunity to problem solve, to be creative, to experiment with new solutions and to fail, and then to find a new, another different solution that then after the fifth or seventh time creates success. So they can experience themselves as having failed, but then also continuing to persevere and then find success after attempting some new solutions and new possibilities. Imagination, the very thing that we need to grow up and be able to be successful in relationships, in work, are the things that get created and developed in this outdoor child-directed play. Lastly, social skills. And social skills are possibly the most important benefit of child-created outdoor play. These are lessons that we learn about how to get along with others. As I said before, children will argue forever about the rules of a game before it even begins. And they can even stop in the middle of the game to renegotiate these expectations if they determine, oh wait, the rules we came up with aren't quite fair. There's one of us who is disadvantaged in a certain way that we need to renegotiate these rules in order to make this more fun because the best way to have fun in any game that's negotiated by peers is so that everyone can have fun and no one then is uh, disadvantaged in any particular way. So that teaches us wonderful things about how to have fun, how to look out for those of us who need us to look out for them, and how to create a situation in a way that is mutually fun, mutually enjoyable, even through negotiation and sometimes even arguing. So they'll renegotiate the expectations. The temptations, as I said earlier, as a parent is to stop the bickering and just make the rules for them because it's so annoying to hear all the arguing. And they would really be having a whole lot more fun if they would just decide on the rules and keep moving. That's my temptation. However, when I do that, I'm really robbing them of this most important, valuable experience. The most social learning takes place during that negotiation. That is when they are learning communication skills, how to take turns, and how to accept another person's point of view, which is an incredibly important skill that our children need right now. So, the three ingredients to child-directed outdoor play, which I would encourage you to think about and reflect on and thinking about, okay, how can I back up a little bit and allow some more of this when my children are outside or any type of play. Those three ingredients are, there needs to be sufficient risk. The play needs to be free from adult structure or interference. And it needs to be self-driven, driven possibly even out of a sense of space for boredom. And the wonderful side effects that your children will experience are self-confidence, imagination, and increased social skills. Folks, this outdoor child play is so powerful, so important, and something that is um, decreasing in our culture. But we have the opportunity, even in your own backyard, even if you're living in a city, there are opportunities for this creativity and imagination, even in a very small and restricted backyard. I hope you find this helpful. I hope you will take a few little tiny nuggets from this 
and implement them with your children and see the benefits of self-confidence, imagination, and social skills. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about the power of child-directed outdoor play, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources, discussion regarding episode topics, and support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at ConnectionsQuincy.com.